What's up, everyone, and welcome to the School District Podcast. My name is Adam. Welcome. This is my podcast. I'm the host, and I really hope you enjoy all the conversations I have with educators literally all over the world. We talk about the pain points and lessons learned in education so we can all simply be better for kids and the colleagues we work with. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and share your favorite conversations with colleagues or anyone you think would enjoy. Most people listen on Apple Podcasts. There's like little three uh, dots in the upper right-hand corner. If you want to send the link to somebody because you're enjoying the episode, just click on those little three dots. It'll say copy link, and then you can email, text, or Facebook or tweet or whatever you want to do. Today's episode is brought to you by me. <laughs> I'm the sponsor. The best way to support the podcast is, uh, you know, it'd be cool. Pick up one of my books. I've written four. Kids Deserve It, Run Like a Pirate, Empower Our Girls, and Teachers Deserve It. They are all available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And Kids Deserve It is also available on Audible as an audiobook if you would rather listen to the words then read them. And if your organization, your school, your district, your county, service unit, conference, or company is having an event and looking for a high energy, just relatable, relevant, fun, and down-to-earth speaker, uh, hey, consider me. You can reach out directly so we can talk about your event and schedule something amazing for your team. I've given well over 300 keynotes all across North America with breakout sessions, coaching, leadership strands, and I would just love to work with you next year is busy. I'm more booked now in November for next year than I ever have been. I got a, just a ton of events. I mean, just a few, Illinois, North Dakota, Georgia, oh my gosh, Missouri, Massachusetts, California, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, Illinois again. I'm spending tons of time in Illinois um, uh, yeah, adamwelcome at gmail.com or my website, mradamwelcome.com for more information. I got videos, I got testimonials um, about my speaking and also my other podcasts and blog. All right. My guest for today is Kelsey Morris. She's the executive director for school leadership down in Corpus Christi. ISD, that's Texas. I was uh, I was on Twitter looking for like directors of curriculum, people at central office. As you know, if you are a longtime listener, I talked to a lot of principals, superintendents, and I'm, uh, I just wanted to uh, chat with some people that are doing the curriculum work and um, school leadership work. Kelsey is absolutely amazing. Her energy, her mojo, her passion for education, also her experience just being a teacher, assistant principal, principal, and then now at Central Office. Just a really, really fun, super awesome conversation that I think you are going to enjoy. Hey, be sure to follow Kelsey, Kelsey Morris 12 on Twitter. I'm going to link it in the show notes as well too. Um, hope you enjoy it. And uh, thanks for being here. Kelsey Morris, welcome to the podcast. Hi, I'm excited to be here today. Oh my gosh, super excited. Executive director for school leadership down in Corpus Christi ISD. We were talking before the show. The only time I've been to Corpus Christi was for about two or three minutes when I had to fly into Corpus because I got delayed and waylaid 
from some other other airport in Texas, and uh, I was cruising through. But uh, I was looking for district office curriculum people on Twitter, and uh, you came across my feed. And I think we'd already been connected. And I was like, Kelsey, come on the podcast. So here we are. Everybody, do yourself a favor. Go to Twitter right now. Kelsey, that's K-E-L-S-I-E Morris. The number 12, I'm gonna link it in the show notes as well too. Make sure to follow Kelsey, super positive, really awesome school leadership ideas and content on Twitter and you should all give her a follow. Kelsey, for the people out there that don't know who you are, give us a little background and tell us about yourself. Okay, so I actually grew up here in Corpus Christi, Texas, um, and then I went off to the University of Texas at Austin, so I am a Longhorn um, and a big supporter, um, and I thought I would stay in Austin, honestly, after I graduated from UT, Um, but during that time, there was actually a hiring freeze in 2009, and so I ended up moving back to Corpus. Um, And I got hired as a fifth grade teacher. um, And actually, I was a classroom size reduction teacher on a grant um, because it was really hard to find open positions. I know we're in the opposite side of it now in 2022. Um, So I taught as a fifth grade teacher in Corpus Christi ISD. And I just absolutely fell in love with teaching fifth grade. Um, I got to teach for five years and I became the section leader. And at that time, I thought, you know, I'm just going to keep teaching. I don't see myself going into administration, um, but I was very blessed and lucky to have a principal who saw leadership skills in me. Um, And he continued to push me and say, you know, you really need to go into administration. You are a natural leader. Um, And I remember just saying like, oh gosh, I, you know, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to go that route. Um, But because of that constant encouragement, and I also got it from my parents saying, you know, we really think that this is something you could do. Um, I went back to school and I got my master's in counseling actually first. I never became a counselor. Um, And then I followed that with educational administration. And after five years of teaching, um, I became an assistant principal and I actually um, got to work at a campus that was improvement required in the state of Texas. Um, And at that time, we were bottom 5% in the entire state of Texas. Um, We actually had to undergo um, reconstitution. And so every single staff member had to re-interview for their positions. Um, But it ended up being, yes, it was one of the craziest experiences, um, but one of the most beneficial Um, because we actually got to really handpick our staff and we got a team on board that was just the perfect fit for what our kids needed. And so I actually got to be a part of that transformation process, which um, was one of the most powerful experiences of my career. Um, And I got very lucky that um, I got to be assistant principal and principal at the same campus. So I worked for a principal who basically told me I'm retiring in three years and I want you to take over this school. I see that potential in you. And um, it was such an amazing experience. Uh, You will never be closer to a staff um, than when you work at an improvement required or a targeted improvement campus um, because you live at that school, you live in the work. Um, And I'm very proud to share that my last year's principal at that campus um, 
and this was in 2019 before COVID, because I actually took on another campus after that. Um, we were one of the top in our entire district, um, and we got an overall rating of an 89 and five distinction designations. So that campus went through an extreme turnaround, and that was honestly one of the highlights of my career. Um, after that, I got a surprise phone call actually mid-year in uh, the COVID year um, saying that the largest elementary campus in CCISD um, had an opening because that principal was retiring, and I was going to be moving to that campus mid-year. So it was a little bit of a surprise and a shock because <laughs> um, I had been at my campus for seven years and I loved that staff and I loved those students and I knew the families, I knew the community, um, but it ended up being another huge blessing. It was an entirely different area of the city, um, an area that I hadn't worked in. Um, it was our largest elementary in CCISD and I learned a lot. Um, and luckily the previous campus that I was at I had a super strong assistant principal that I got to grow. And so she got to take over as principal. So that kind of like makes your heart a little bit like, okay, you know what? Um, I'm leaving this place in good hands and they have continued to thrive. Um, so I did one semester at that other elementary school and then an opportunity arose um, for executive director of school leadership. And I actually was very torn. I kind of was like, I, you know, how do I leave this campus that now I just got here? We're doing so many great things. I love these students. I love this staff. Um, and I just got a lot of encouragement from colleagues and um, the executive director who was retiring came to my campus and said, you have to apply this for this position like you. This is this position's meant for you. And I said, you know what, I'm going to throw my name in the hat and I'm going to see what happens. Um, and so now this is currently my second year in this position. Um, and I am so thankful that I went for it um, because I have learned so much. And the really cool thing about making that leap from district to central office, if anyone out there is considering it, is you get to take what you're doing at your campus that's working and that and you get to expand that to multiple campuses. So it can be hard to give up that campus life, but that's how I look at it now is I can take what works really well there and I can expand it over all of the campuses in the district. So that's a really exciting opportunity. Yeah, 100%. First off, just a shout out to all the people that came before us that encouraged people like you, Kelsey, to get into school leadership. They saw something in you. Those people have been in my life. And I mean, every person that I talk to, I think this is like episode 190 of the podcast. It's, oh gosh, yeah, so-and-so encouraged me or this or that. And this is just a reminder to everybody out there that's listening. Make sure that you stop and turn around and do that as well to that next generation of leaders. I know people do that already, but it's just a really, really great reminder to, to do that because it's so valuable. I love how just listening to your story and your progression, these doors just kept opening for you and you just kept walking through and walking through and walking through. I think something too I wanna hone in on is people people often say, oh, I don't wanna leave the principalship. I don't wanna go to central office. I'm gonna miss the kids. And like to your point, you actually get to hang out with more kids. And to your point, Kelsey, you get to actually do what was working at your school and spread it in a much bigger, broader, it's kind of like leaving the classroom and going, becoming a site administrator, you actually get to hang out with all the kids and do what worked in your classroom with all the classrooms. Um, it's so important. How important do you feel it is now in your, in your role in central office to have that prior experience as a principal? I feel like more and more I, I see people 
people in central office that went from teaching to like maybe instructional coach and then central office. And I think that there's a really big hurdle and like experience that they kind of like dodged of being an actual principal. How important do you feel it is in your job now and just like broadly um, working in central office to have principal experience? Um, I always say there is nothing like sitting in that principal seat. Um, and if you have not experienced that, it just gives you an entirely different lens. And to be 100% honest, I do not think that I could do my job to the level that we need to do it had I not had that experience. Um, so as we're making decisions, as we're looking at data, as we're looking at curriculum, as we're walking classrooms, I always say, like, what would I, how would I feel or what would I look like? at this through the principal's lens. Um, so I think it's huge. I know I'm very lucky that I work for a district that um, our deputy superintendent always says, you know, you are an advocate for your principals and we want you to speak up and say, hey, our principals need, you know, would look at it this way or we need to take this into consideration. Um, and there is nothing like sitting in that principal seat from the level of pressure that you feel um, to just balancing all of the different acts. Um, because, you know, you have have to be there for your students. You have to be there for your staff. You have to be there for the community. You have to look at accountability and data and instruction and curriculum. And there's so many different pieces and so many different hats that the principals have to wear. And I do not think if I hadn't sat in that seat, um, I don't think that I could do my job to the level that is needed because I need to be that advocate for my principals. I need to be that advocate for the students. And since I've been able to be at those campuses and live that life and have had that experience, I think it's extremely important. And that's one of the things that I always try to keep perspective on is when we make decisions, how is this going to directly impact the campus? And if I was sitting in that principal seat and I get that information from the district, how would I feel? And so always taking that into consideration as we make decisions. Yeah, no, I love that. So with that being said, Corpus is a big district. I mean, like 50 schools or almost 50 schools, really, really big place. How do you, as the executive director for school leadership, I would say like on your own, but also on a team of other directors and assistant soups. How do you how do you remain with a perspective of knowing what your job is, which is to support schools uh, and to support principals? And you talked about it, you know, going on walks and visiting schools, but maybe I'm looking for like strategies. Um, you know, because some districts are one school, some are 100, some are, you know, 50 plus, which Corpus is a, is a big district, um, you know, because I feel like, I feel like in my experience, and this is where I guess this question is coming from, people get to central office and then they think, oh, I'm in central office, I'm good, I made it, it's all about me, and like your office is important, but the schools are way more important. So maybe what are some things that you do on a weekly, monthly basis to keep your perspective to know where all your schools are. So then when you get back to your office and you're meeting and you're planning and you're in these groups, you actually are as best informed as you can be to help support those schools. Is there anything that you do that you wanna share with the listeners? So our executive director for school leadership team is we're a team of four. And so we have 56 schools in CCIC. So yes, definitely a big district. 
the way that we are broken up is we have one director that is um, goes directly over the high schools, one over the middle schools, and then there's two of us over the elementaries. However, we work very, very closely together on vertically aligning the meeting that I was at before. It was not just an elementary meeting. It was a elementary, middle, and high school meeting training up our assistant principals this morning. Um, so we definitely don't view it as, oh, this is only your area because it is so important that we are working together um, in order to ensure the success all the way up as our kids travel up. I think the biggest thing um, that kind of comes to mind is one, you do need systems in place. You know, you need to have systems and procedures in place. And that's one of the big things. Um, and that our team was a new team. We pretty much all came on board at the same time, which gave us a very unique opportunity to put new systems in place. And so one of the things that's very eye-opening when you come from your campus to district, and same thing when you come from your classroom into an assistant principal or principal position, is lots of times you come with the assumption as everyone's doing things the way that I did it. And then you get into the position and you see that's not necessarily the case. And so you have to find ways to build in systems to build the leadership capacity in your principles because you're not at that campus every single day. You're going to campuses every single day, but it's not the same campus. And so I think that's been kind of our biggest thing is how can we build systems so that when I go and have a coaching um, session with a principal and I walk away from that campus, that principal is able to take what they learned and run with it so that daily that campus is getting what they need. And so we do a lot of um, on-campus coaching sessions, and then we also do embedded PD. So we have our meetings. We had one this morning with actually our, um, we call it the Assistant Principal Induction Academy, and these are our brand new assistant principals, and they meet with their mentors, and we train them up on how we do things in CCISD and what are the systems that need to be in place. So we have our principal or assistant principal meetings, but we are very big as a team on not a sit and get. We don't want it to just sit. And these are the things that are coming up. We package things so that our principals and assistant principals can take that and directly turn it around on the campus. Um, so if it's something that can be put in an email, that is not going to be taking place at the meeting. We want it to be collaborative. We want it to be all hands on deck. And we want our principals to feel like this is something that I can take back to my campus and it's going to move the needle on my campus. I think having the perspective of being an administrator at a turnaround campus um, kind of changes. You have that sense of urgency constantly. And so our big thing is if we're going to pull our principals and assistant principals off campus for a professional development, it needs to be something that is going to impact our students in a positive way. And so just making sure that as we do and we structure out those professional developments and meetings, it needs to be something meaningful and it needs to be something that is going to help and grow our students. And so I would definitely say systems. And then I would say for the other thing that is so important is the most important place to be is on your campuses. You need to be there um, doing the work side by side with your principals. And that's what I always tell our leadership teams is um, we're not just going to tell you what to do. We're going to come out and do it with you. And so I think my favorite part of this job is being on the campuses. I love going in the classrooms and doing the instructional walks. Um, we do follow the Get Better Faster scope and sequence by Santoyo. And so we'll have that scope and sequence with us hand in hand. And we're talking about how are we coaching our teachers? What are we doing to build capacity in our teachers? Um, because they're the ones that are 
on the front line with our students. So it's all about that growth for our ad administrators. And then our administrators are growing our teachers because our teachers are growing the students. And so I think when you come to central office, probably the biggest thing is do not lose sight of what is happening on those campuses. Um, and one of the questions that I always ask when we're making decisions is what is going to have a direct impact on our campuses and students, and is it a positive impact? Um, and so we're constantly thinking about what decisions, what that ripple effect is going to be. And you don't want to lose sight of how that directly impacts the day-to-day -day campus life. Such a simple statement for people in central office to remember is what I'm doing right now is is helping is is supporting the schools. And, you know, I've long said school districts make their money where they make their money from what's happening in the classrooms, um, you know, not from central office. And I'm not taking anything away from people at central office, but um, it's kind of like if you think about like the military, there's people that are in the rear supporting the people that are deployed, you know, fighting the wars, keeping us safe, all those things. Those people are super, super important um, and they should be celebrated. But remember, you're here to support them um, on that bigger mission. I think that's really important. So, Kelsey, I feel that we have a TMI problem in education, too many initiatives. Uh, I think we're just trying to do too many things. I, I see this. So I think your perspective is actually really unique because you've been at this turnaround school and you've done this amazing work you couldn't do everything i'm guessing you really had to be like all right we got to turn this place around what are we going to do it's like taking over a failing restaurant we come in we're like okay no stop doing that stop doing that we got to make money we got to support our customers so what is your approach now working with all these schools on on making sure how do you decide what you're doing is what's best and then I think also the second part of that question is how do you decide and when do you know to get rid of something it's kind of like closing your closet you know my wife says she has nothing to wear but her closet's overflowing and I'm like I think you need to get rid of some things that you haven't worn in 10 15 20 years before I even knew her to then make room for I'm like go shopping like here's five grand whatever go shopping but you don't have any room to put those things. I think there's a really big correlation to schools. How do you think about that? Um, so I actually love that you brought that up because that is something we are constantly thinking about because um, I think we've all had a time where there's so many different things going on that we are not doing anything at the level that it should be done. And so that is one of the things that we are constantly having conversations on at the district level is rather than trying to do all of these things, let's pick the highest leverage thing and let's get really, really good at that. And that's the same mentality that I take when I'm working with my principals. Um, and, and this is something that I, I always tell my principals when I was first an assistant principal and I was coaching teachers, I would go into a walkthrough. And I would bring that teacher in and I would list off the 10 things that they needed to do to get better. And then I would go back into their classroom and be like, oh my gosh, they're not doing these 10 things that I, you know, coach them on. And so it's taken through time to realize that no, pick the one biggest thing that is going to be highest leverage to coach them on. And I think it's the same thing with initiatives. What is going to be the initiative that is going to have the greatest impact with our students? And let's do that really well. And when you do that, you're going to see that growth. 
And same thing with coaching our teachers or coaching our principals. What is it that they need the most to move the needle? Let's get that done really well. Then we'll move on to the next thing. Then we'll move on the next thing. And you'll see that growth versus kind of just trying to do everything and doing none of it well. Um, And I think that as I've kind of grown in my leadership career, I've seen more and more the importance of that. And I saw it as as a principal and I could see, you know, those last couple of years when I was on the campus, um, as I worked with my teachers, it was so different. You could see the quick growth because if we could master those procedures and routines, then I could move on to the rigor. Then I could move on to student discourse. Then we could move on to some of those other things. But if we didn't have the procedures and routines down, then we weren't ready to be saying, okay, go ahead and implement turn and talk and student discourse. We needed just to get the kids in the room and sitting down in those systems in place. And I think it's the same thing at the district level with initiatives. Um, What are we using to build culture on our campus? What are we using for our data analysis process. And instead of doing all of these different things, let's do this one practice really, really well. And when you start doing that, you can actually see that impact. And the other good thing about doing that is when you're measuring what's working and not working, if you're doing 10 million different things, you can't even measure. You're like, okay, we're seeing some growth here, but we're doing so many different things. What created this growth? And we can't even answer that question if we're doing so many different things. So that's another big thing that we talk about is, is what we are doing, is it working? And if it's not, what are we going to do about it? Because if our students aren't growing, our teachers aren't growing, I always tell my um, admin team, that's on us. So we have to reflect and look at what are we doing? Why is it not working? And let's take the steps to get better. If everything's important, nothing's important. If you love every single piece of clothing in your closet, then <laughs> that you did that you don't even wear, then you, you know, then you gotta make, you gotta make decisions. Yeah. I always like to say, you know, you're talking and I'm thinking, I always like to say, do three to five things really well, not 20 to 25 with mediocrity. And it's hard. It's hard. This is not an easy thing to do. I know we're, we're talking about this and people are like, Oh my God, you make it sound so easy. And it's, it's not, I mean, like, I don't want people to think that, but if everything's important, nothing's important. I think that's that's really a really good thought to get there. Do you have a favorite interview question when you interview new people, if it's principals or assistant principals, or maybe you're looking for like another director, a central office? You know, we were talking a little bit before the show. I feel, I feel like those questions have always been like the standard 10 to 15. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about your journey, blah, blah, blah. And like, I love questions that are a little bit different, um, that really kind of, open up people's minds and a response to kind of see how they think. Is there like a a one or two questions that you really like to ask Kelsey? Um, I always like questions that kind of open up a reflection piece of a time where stuff didn't go correctly and you had to grow in that area. I think anytime I'm looking for candidates and for any position, the biggest quality I am looking for is coachability and the willingness to reflect and grow. And I would always say as a principal, and I say in this position too, like, It doesn't matter whether you have 25 years experience or a couple years experience. If you are reflective and you are coachable and you are willing to say, I need to grow in this area because we are never done, um, then that's who I want. I'm like, give me that person. Um, And I think that can be different because some people are always looking for, oh, this is great experience. And experience can be great. I don't want to take away from experience because, yes, experience is great. But that for me, it's that coachability. I mean, education has changed 
even within the 14 years since I've started and what our focus is. And so if you don't have that adaptability and you're not willing to grow, um, then you're, you're going to get left behind and you're not going to be able to continue growing campuses and growing our students. And so I think any type of question that shows where somebody faced a challenge, because um, I think depending on if they're able to say, I did make a mistake, but this is what I learned from it. And this is how I grew. That is so powerful because um, sometimes as leaders, it's hard to admit your mistakes. But I tell my principals, it is OK to say if you know so if you make a decision because we're making decisions all the time and it didn't go as planned, it is okay to say, hey, y'all, I made a mistake. I didn't think about these unintended consequences, but guess what? We're going to grow and get better. And I think sometimes when you go into leadership, people are a little more afraid to admit that we are human as well, and we are going to make a decision that was maybe wasn't the best decision we thought it was in that moment. So for interviews, that's what I'm looking for, is somebody that can be reflective, somebody that's willing to be coached, um, and is always has that growth mindset of how can I get better? Because even our very best principles should always be looking for what do I need to do to get a little bit better? How can I grow? How can I learn from others? And I'm a big believer in you can learn from the newest person in the room and you can learn from the person that has the most experience. And I think one of my biggest pet peeves is when people say like, oh, that teacher's, you know, struggling because they're new, because some of my best teachers have been first, second, third year teachers that we have coached up and they were so responsive to the coaching that they just took off and they hung in there with my most experienced rock star teachers. So I think just that coachability factor and that willingness of, I want to learn that they're hungry for that. And, and you can definitely feel that I'm very big on like that feeling of the energy. You can feel the people that are hungry to learn more. Um, cause those are going to be your rock stars that are going to do whatever it takes for your kids. Yeah. I agree that energy that you feel from people. It's, uh, it's so important. I can't believe it took you like 30 minutes into this podcast to finally say y'all I've been waiting for it. <laughs> and you finally say y'all. And I know you went to UT. Have you seen the Jimmy Fallon? Thank God I'm a country boy video when he was down in UT. Have you seen that video? I haven't seen it, but I'm gonna have to look it up now. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'll have to send it to you, which is so funny because there's a part in there where they go, oh, you, oh, you sucks. And I know before you told me, you, you know, y'all almost, y'all, you almost ended up in Oklahoma because of your dad's work. And like, you know, I know you're a UT person. Um, it was just funny. So I'll, I'll send you that video. Yes, it's a really I great, funny it. one. <laughs> um, so we love talking about books on the podcast. Do you have a favorite leadership book um, in any kind of space that you've read? that maybe really changed uh, your perspective or maybe that you gift to all new principals? You're like, hey, you got to read this book. Is there is there one you recommend? Um, so one of the ones that we use and we actually launch every single one of our principal meetings with it, it's called Essential Truths for Principals. And there's also an Essential Truths for Teachers. Um, and the reason why I love it is it's like extremely short chapters, one to two pages, and it just nails a concept. So it talks about um, culture. It talks about, you know, being there for your students, being there for your teachers. And it just kind of drives from the point of, why we do the work we do. So one of the things that we do at the end of every principal meeting is um, the, a principal reads a chapter, which is a couple pages long. And then they also write a letter to another principal or somebody else in the room that has impacted them. And then they pass the book and the letter. And that was a practice that I did at my campus too, but we just did it with essential truths for teachers. So the teacher would read a chapter and then they would pick uh, any staff member on our campus and they would pass it. Um, 
so it kind of had a double impact. You get kind of like this kernel of great educational leadership, but you also get that affirmation from your team too. And I'm a crier, like a proud crier. So every time I write a letter or read a chapter, I'll be in tears. Or when I listen to our principals, read it to another one. It's just so cool to like get that affirmation because sometimes in these positions, as you know, being an educator, um, sometimes you can hear all the hard stuff and you don't always hear the thank yous and the affirmations. So it's just another way that we can celebrate our leaders. And so I really love it just because I know lots of times people are like, I don't have time to read. You know, I, I'm so busy. I have this, I have that, and it's super quick chapters um, and very, very powerful. And I would say another book that's had a big impact on me is Good to Great. It's not necessarily tied just to education, um, but I think it kind of goes back to one of the things that I always tell my leaders is like, we can't be okay just being okay. Like we always have to be looking to be great. We always have to be saying what's the next level. Um, Cause I know like the year I mentioned earlier when I was at my turnaround campus and that year we were in 89. So we're one point away from getting that A rating. And that next year I was like, this is our year. Um, and all year long, the CBAs, we, I was like, we're going to be an A campus this year, which would be absolutely Absolutely huge to go from bottom 5% in the state of Texas to an A rating. And of course, that spring was 2020. Um, and so while everyone was like, you know, star testing didn't happen. And of course, that was necessary with the COVID shutdowns. But our campus was devastated that star testing didn't happen because we knew we were like, this is our year. I mean, we had just such a powerful team of teachers. Our kids were phenomenal. Um, and that was just the coolest thing is just to watch this staff not be satisfied with, you know, it was a huge celebration being an 89 and being one of the top schools out of our entire district. Um, however, I feel like our team was always hungry for like, okay, how are we going to go to the next level? Let's be, we want to be the best. Like let's compete with the top um, because we knew our students could. And I think the coolest thing about being a part of a team like that is sometimes, you know, you're working with students who people are like, oh, y'all aren't going to be able to reach an A. And it's like, yes, every single student can grow. Every single student can do their very best. And so it was so cool to be a part of a team that truly believed that and truly said, you know what, these kids can do whatever they set their minds to. So it was just a very cool to be a part of that turnaround process. And so I love good to great because that's what they talk about is not being satisfied. Like you can't be okay just being good. You always have to be striving for that next step. Yeah. You're the second person this week that has uh, dropped that book. Really? Uh, yeah, no. And I think you're also the only um, school in the entire country that was sad that um, state testing <laughs> didn't happen. Maybe I understand. <laughs> and the it's reasoning. a double edged sword. Now I'm like, <laughs> oh, state testing. But that year we knew we were going to be an A. <laughs> no, I get it. Kelsey, are you a hard worker or a workaholic? That's a good question. Um, I'm I'm definitely learning how to balance it a little bit more, but I think that that is a ongoing thing. But I would say more of a hard worker. Um, I would say, honestly, it's it's kind of finding a balance. I do have a three year old son, so he's definitely at an age where he's like, "Mama, go ahead and put your laptop away," um, and holds me accountable to that. So I just think. Um, I think you've got to find that balance and you can work hard and be really great at your job. Um, but you also have to find that personal balance too, because you've got to be a hard worker at home with your kids and they're watching you too. Um, and especially as he gets older, he's watching everything that I do and um, repeating everything that I say. 
Um, so I would definitely say at this point, a hard worker, but I definitely think it's an ongoing balance that throughout it's like, okay, you know, go ahead and put that away and let's focus on the family because, and we tell our principals this too, um, you have to have a balanced life. You have to be happy at home because that's going to trickle into work and work's going to trickle into your personal life. Um, and I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but with cell phones, it's easy to never shut it off. Um, and you have to remember to find that balance too, and to be, you know, your best self in both areas. Yeah. When you're happy and healthy at home, you're so much more inclined and apt to be happy and healthy at work. Um, I just think that's so true. Kelsey, if you could choose one person alive or dead to spend the day with who's not a family member, who would it be and why? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, let me think. Um, honestly, I think one of the people that I would love to spend the day with is Oprah, just because she is somebody who has like pushed the boundaries on everything um, and like has gone through every single industry and just been successful. And you want to talk about someone who's never like, okay, I did this. So now I'm satisfied. She is always like, okay, I'm going to go into this industry and everything she does. She does a phenomenal job at, um, and just kind of talking about, you know, being scared to try new things. I would love to just hear like, okay, how did you take on this new area? How, you know, what gave you the confidence to get into this arena? And so I would just love to pick her brain and say like, you know, where did you get the confidence? confidence and where'd you get some of your ideas from? Cause I think she's somebody that is constantly growing and getting better. Um, and she does it with grace too. Yeah. Oprah is uh, Oprah's an amazing human being. She would be awesome to hang out with. Kelsey, a big part of the school district podcast is amplifying the voices of my guests. So I'm just going to pass the microphone over to you. What would you like to say to all the people that listen to this podcast? I would just say, um, you know, to continue to take on new challenges. Um, if you are thinking, I know this is from a central office perspective a little bit today, and if you are thinking about taking that leap in any capacity, if you're a teacher thinking about becoming an admin, or if you're at campus thinking about going to central office, it's just you'll know in your heart when you're ready, um, but always looking for ways to challenge yourself and grow. Um, I know I was talking earlier about, you know, next steps for me and where I want to eventually go. And so I think just not being scared. Um, and I know one of the things that I love that you told me earlier, Adam, is like, there is room for your voice. And I love that you said that because, um, you know, it, it's so true. I think about all the books that I've read and people I've talked to at conferences. And it's amazing that I can remember little tidbits and quotes and things that they've told me, and they probably don't even realize how big of an impact they had on me. And then I think just what you said earlier too, of um, always be looking for those next steps and those, uh, those potential leaders. I think a lot of us became leaders because somebody told us we were great at what we do. And I think in this profession, that's so huge of, tell people they're great. Give them that affirmation because you have no idea the impact that that is going to have on people, especially in education um, where we can get kind of weighed down with all of the stuff that's going on with politics and teacher shortages and all of that. It's so important that we build each other up, support and have that affirmation because we are doing the most important work and we are impacting our students every single day.
Yeah. You know, I love that part about what you said about telling people, which correlates to your uh, strategy and the practice of the book and the writing the notes to people, you know, and you think about our world in 2022. So something that I've started doing, um, you're my guest, but I'm going to tell a quick story is I feel like, so my birthday's in July and like the last few years, I realized that I get like hundreds and hundreds of text messages, not like Facebook messages, but actual text messages from people that have my cell phone. And I give out my cell phone very freely to people. And I realized that I got like one person that called me and I'm always with my family on my birthday. We're always up in Lake Tahoe um, in July on my birthday. And I just realized like I got all these messages and these text messages, happy birthday, Adam. Yo dude, happy birthday, which is great, Kelsey. But I'm like, God, nobody like one person called me and it maybe was one of my brothers or my mom. So a practice that I've started is when, you know, I, I'll often know people's birthdays or you go on Facebook, your Facebook friends, it'll say who the birthday is. And if I have their number, I call them. And I can't tell you, I recently called a high school principal friend of mine in Ohio who I had his number, but I guess my number was not saved in his phone. And he's like, hello? And I was like, yo, dude, what's up? I was like, hey man, I just wanted to say happy birthday. I wanted to call you. And here's why I am calling because, you know, on my birthday. And he's like, dude, I almost didn't answer. It said California or like, who do I know in California? It's probably some telemarketer. Um, and just the impact and the follow-up responses that I've gotten from people of like, hey man, thanks for calling. Because people don't call as much as they used to. They send a message or they text or a little Facebook DM or on Twitter. And um, you know, just to go along with what you're saying, Kelsey, it is so important. And I think it's more important now than ever because of all the things that we have going on in our world and then micro in our country. Uh, you know, We're obviously very, very divided, um, which is not a good thing. I mean, we need to be more together and I think those things, uh, there's a lot that needs to happen, but hopefully those little things and those connectedness and seeing the commonalities that we have in, with people from an education standpoint, but also just from like a human being standpoint, I just think is uh, is more important now than ever. So thank you for bringing those ideas up and those in those conversations. And hopefully people listening can do can do more of those things because I think we're going to be better for kids. We're going to be better for each other. We're going to be better for our neighbors and our community when we start when we start doing those things. Kelsey Morris at Kelsey Morris twelve on Twitter. Be sure to connect. Uh, love the energy. Love the ideas. Love the mojo. Love the leadership capacity that you bring, Kelsey. Thanks for coming on the show. I've had so much fun talking to you. Everybody listening, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day.